Welcome to another episode of the OK Guard Show. I'm Staff Sergeant Brian Schroeder. Today, we have a very special guest with us today, Chaplain Davies Van Poole. Uh, he's going to be here to discuss uh, what it takes to stay spiritually fit while we continue to fight COVID-19. Chaplain Van Poole, welcome. Uh, please introduce yourself a little bit more than what I did and tell us what you do for the Oklahoma National Guard. Well, my name is Davies Vampel. I married my wife, Julie, for uh, coming up on 30 years, and I have four kids, 21, 20, 19, and 10, so a uh, big span there. Big range. Um, I have been a chaplain in the Oklahoma National Guard since 2007. I started off with the 345 CSSB and then uh, did some summers with the old BSB and BTSB from the IBCT. Did 10 years at Troop Command, and then I've been the brigade chaplain for the Field Artillery Brigade for the past two years. But uh, that's not where my military career started. I enlisted in 1989 and uh, served and fought in Desert Storm. And after three years of active duty, took about a 10-year break and came back in as a chaplain. So I hope that my enlisted time makes me a, a better chaplain to my soldiers, and my officer time makes me a uh, better aid to my commander and those around me. So that's kind of my military background. So what is your role as the chaplain uh, for the Oklahoma National Guard? Well, at the brigade level, it's a little bit different than the battalion level. So I'll, let me just take a minute so everybody's clarified on that. Um, most of your hands-on ministry takes place at your battalion level. And, uh, you know, all of us would tell you that the best job in the Army is the battalion chaplain because you get to go out and hang out with the soldiers, you know, eat with them, sleep with them, pray with them, uh, right there in the foxhole with them or on the line with them. And uh, that's just where we develop those relationships. And as you move up um, into the brigade role and then obviously into the state, you become much more of a supervisory role and an aide to your commander and those that are making plans and things like that. However, and this is a flat-out recruiting plea, I'm begging right here, uh, we are way short on chaplains in the Oklahoma National Guard. So uh, we're just really fortunate right now the way that we operate is much more of as a team. So when we have a crisis, uh, even though it might be my soldier, if there's a chaplain a whole lot closer geographically, well, I'll just call them and say, hey, can you go over and take care of this? And, and then I'll do the same for them. Since we're so short, uh, it's really turned into a teamwork thing. Well, good. And we'll make sure that we include a little bit more information for those that are interested in joining the Chaplain Corps. Uh, we'll oh, put that in our absolutely. show notes uh, so that uh, they may be able to take advantage of the best job in the Army that you advertise there. That's right. It is. Absolutely. <laughs> so my role right now, obviously, as a brigade chaplain for the Field Artillery Brigade would be supporting Colonel Henry and everybody uh, in the Field Artillery Brigade and supervising those chaplains at the battalion level. But I still get to do a lot of hands-on ministry just due to the shortage, and I'm grateful for that because uh, we love people. So in a nutshell, that's kind of what we do. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like it would be a very very fun job, very fulfilling job because you get to get out, you get to see everybody and, and you don't stick to just one MOS. You, you go, you visit soldiers, you visit uh, airmen in certain cases. I would assume if there's some joint training going on, absolutely, uh, as well as being involved in their families. So that's a very big role. It's got to be very fulfilling for you to have that. It is. And you know, I'm glad you said families. They're one of our biggest roles is family care, especially during deployment times. And uh, while it's been a little while since the Oklahoma Guards had a big deployment, uh, most folks realize that uh, we've had soldiers uh, oversee in bad, bad situations nonstop since 2003, uh, to include now with lots of company-sized units that are deployed. So absolutely, we get to help take care of their families and uh, minister to them as well as their soldiers are away. So as, as a chaplain, you provide a small outlet uh, we could say, for service members and their families of all religions, all faiths, belief systems, or non-belief systems, uh, what is spiritual health? Define that for us. Well, I think spiritual health is, is an awareness of who we are in the scope of the big picture. Obviously, as a Christian minister, I'm going to say 
spiritual fitness and health for me is realizing who I am and my relationship to God. And that would go for every religion, regardless of what their denomination or religious background would be there. And I would just chase the small rabbit right there and just remind folks, um, just because your chaplain wears a cross or something that may not be what you have, you still need to remember that we are your chaplain. And we operate under something that's called perform or provide. If you ask me to do something uh, and I'm perfectly comfortable doing it, I absolutely will perform that ceremony or that sacrament or whatever for you. And if I'm not, I still have the duty to help find someone that will help you with that. So uh, never forget that your chaplain is always your chaplain, regardless of what your religious background may be. And then back on the what spiritual fitness is there, it's – it's that grounding. It's that humbling, you know, one of one of the verses himself in the sight of the Lord and uh, he will lift you up. And I think that goes across the board for whatever your religious is. We were not created in this universe for us. And uh, so part of spiritual health is real recognizing who we are with others, um, who we are with our higher being and absolutely um, the concept that we're better together than we are by ourselves and a lot of that, when we get to that fitness point, wherever you're at in your religion on that, uh, it brings us peace. And uh, we see so many people just wander through this life that are so miserable, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And I think a big part of that is because they don't have peace. And obviously, as a chaplain, I'm going to sell you on the point that you can't have peace until you have spiritual fitness and spiritual health. If we look across the world today, even within the ranks of the National Guard and our other brothers and sisters in active duty and everything, one of the things that we often see people matter or struggling with is, do they matter? Um, Spiritual health will certainly, when done correctly, lead us to that uh, answer that, yes, we do. So good, healthy spiritual fitness brings us to that point of peace of, you know, I may not know how today is going to work out, but I'm going to be okay. And it just causes us to take a deep breath and relax. And I think we'll be a little better. So to answer that question, the one aspect of spiritual fitness in my life that I wish I could just wave that magic wand over and give to everybody would be peace. Do you think that being spiritual healthy can make us better people? Absolutely. Um, just like being physically healthy makes us better people. Um, you know, when you're, when you're physically in terrible shape, uh, not only can you not exercise or do well on an ACFT or APFT, uh, you don't sleep at night. You have other health issues. You're generally probably pretty cranky and you're just, uh, uh, you're not functioning the best you can be. I think we see those exact same things in spiritual health. When we're not functioning at the spiritual level that we were created to, we are miserable, we're cranky, and we make those around us the same way. So absolutely, uh, spiritual health is important, and it can affect those that are around us, uh, and it can affect our our own beings, not just spiritually, but also physically, mentally, emotionally, and uh, any other A-L-L-Y, do you want to, a word you want to invent there? It, it, it absolutely has effect on us. It affects all parts of life, our family, our jobs, our hobbies, um, everything that we do. So it sounds like there's not one aspect of life that benefits from being spiritual healthy. It's all aspects of life. I would say on that point, absolutely. Uh, it, uh, it just makes you better all the way around, more of your potential all the way around, not just in one area, but in all. Okay. So in your opinion and kind of in your experience as a chaplain and as a human being, what does it take to have optimal spiritual health? Is there a bar that we can set to say, okay, this is where I want to get to, or this is where everybody else is. So I need to get to that level. I think that's different for every person. And uh, to quote an old pastor friend of mine from years ago, he used to just say, make sure you're a better person tomorrow than you are today. Um, So when we talk about setting that standard, if I've improved over who I am today, tomorrow, spiritually, mentally, physically, however, emotionally, uh, then I've made progress. And as long as we're making progress, I think we're doing right. If we go out there and we set that bar uh, at 10 and we don't reach it, sometimes we set ourselves up for failure. I use the cliche about New Year's resolutions all the time. Um, People just set themselves up for success or failure based upon the realistic uh, achievement of their goals there. 
Um, let's talk about, you know, we're all training for the ACFT, or at least we were till about three weeks ago when all the gyms in the state closed. <laughs> um, we know where that test is coming out in October, which, you know, praise the Lord, I hear now it's been postponed for a while. I uh, don't hear a lot of weeping and crying over that one, but uh, <laughs> just gives us a little bit longer to get in better shape for that. But so I go to the gym and, uh, you know, I hear one of the events that uh, a lot of people are struggling with is the deadlift. And if I go in there and I said, okay, I'm going to reach this goal tomorrow, but yet I've never deadlifted in my life. I get in the gym and you know what, tomorrow I'm not going to make it. Um, but if I set that goal to say, you know, okay, two weeks from now, I'm going to be 20 pounds stronger than I am now. And then two weeks from then, I'm going to be 20 pounds stronger than then. Eventually, I'm going to reach that goal because I've set it in increments that I can reach it. Spiritually, it's the same way. Uh, I think most of us have a spiritual mentor. Maybe it's an old Sunday school teacher or a pastor or a deacon or a friend, or maybe it's your grandma or your grandpa or uh, whoever that might be. I think we all have a spiritual mentor. And if we sit down and we think, okay, I am going to be at the same spiritual level that I perceive them to be at tomorrow, um, probably not going to happen. So we need to divide that up into things that we can attack and improve upon and uh, a real healthy exercise for people to do. Uh, and they don't need to share it with anybody unless they want somebody to keep them accountable is write down on a sheet of paper. Where am I weak spiritually? What does that look like to me? What do I need to prove on? Well, if they come up with 10 things on that list, and this is just my opinion, and there'll be others that would disagree with me on this. If they sit down and they try to work on all 10 of them at the same time, probably not going to see a lot of progress. But if they pick one and they stay after it and they master it and they stay good with it, and then they grab the next one and they just make it a process. So that standard of what does spiritual fitness or health look like could be different for all of us. But from Chaplain Van Poole's heart, it would just be as long as you are continually improving, uh, from the Christian world, I would say if you're becoming more and more of who God wants you to be every day, you're on the right track. And you're going to reach that tomorrow. Um, we joke in church a lot and say things like, do you ever graduate from Sunday school? Well, the answer to that is no, or we wouldn't have senior adult Sunday school class. So it should be the same way with our soldiers. Do we ever graduate with the, you are now spiritual healthy for the rest of your life certificate? No, that's something we got to work on every day. That's great. Yeah, it's a continuous process never ending, finding new ways to explore how you can stay fit, either physically or spiritually. Sounds like a great way to learn how to improve as an individual, as a, as a human being. So absolutely. Uh, in general, do you think people are spiritual healthy? Uh, our society today, where would you place our collective spiritual health on a one to 10 scale? Um, Probably in the middle at best, uh, but I would explain that. Uh, if so if I had to give them a number, I'd say five. Um, okay. In our society today, uh, there is a group of people, and I'm not being judgmental here at all because we're all entitled to believe however we want to. That's part of the greatness of this awesome country that we live in. But there is a good number of people that don't recognize spirituality as important at all. And uh, not necessarily even talking about religion there, but spirituality, um, they don't value it or see the need for it uh, kind of becomes a joke or something that they scoff at. And part of the reason I think that is, is we can't necessarily see that. I think that's still why we as a society struggle so hard with mental illness problems as well. Um, if I break my arm, you know, you can see it pointed in the wrong direction. So I'm gonna go get it fixed. <laughs> but if I've got something wrong mentally, I, nobody can necessarily see that to know that I need to go see somebody to get me help and get it fixed. And that goes infinitely amount for spiritual things because we are so um, driven in our society right now not to be judgmental that we don't ever want to go up to someone and say, hey, you know, uh, I think you're struggling with this for fear of offending them. So we don't even buddy check as well as we should on the spiritual side. So overall, I would say due to uh, a, a total lack of some elements of society, even feeling that that's something we should do, through those of us, and I include myself on this sometimes because let's be honest, none of us are perfect. Um, when we know we ought to be doing something and we're not, um, recognizing, I'm talking about spiritual health exercises, you know, prayer, fasting, praise and worship, reading the word, whatever it is, and I know I'm not doing what I should be, then I know my spiritual fitness is not where it ought to be either. So um, wherever we're at in that scale as a nation, I don't do not perceive our country as having good spiritual fitness right now as a whole. Okay. Um, 
Why do you think that spiritual health is overlooked? Do you think it's apathy? Do you think it's laziness? Do you think people just don't care? Or are they consumed with too many other things to not really prioritize time for spiritual health? Uh, the cheesy answer would say all of the above. Next question. But <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, no, I think you nailed it uh, on all of those things. And I, I'd like to hit on a few, um, not taking away from anything we do in our society. Certainly, you know, my wife and I raising four boys, uh, we did more and are still doing more than our fair share of little league sports and other things like that. <laughs> no uh, big shout out to all of our young men and women in little league sports that lost baseball and softball this spring. Um, just work hard and come back and be better next year. That's, that's the best answer we have for that. But uh, when we think back to um, uh, where we're at there um, on why it's not there, uh, I would jump one on the busyness thing. Um, let's go back to my parents' generation. Uh, you know, the baby boomers that were born in the 40s and 50s. Uh, so they were young men and women in the 60s and then, you know, raised their families in the 70s and 80s. There was no cell phones. There was no technology. People sat on the porch. Families ate dinner together around the table uh, as a whole, not just talking about my particular religion as a Christian, but religion in general. People did that as families. And there wasn't so many things to compete with. And uh, I think that allowed just the vehicle to be in better spiritual health. And now it doesn't matter whether you're a parent of five kids or you're a single mom or dad or you're all by yourself. There are so many things in our world to do right now. And most of our jobs, whether it's in the military or in the civilian sector, um, they just require so much time. You know, we all signed up. You know, I remember when I uh, I enlisted uh, back in the late 80s, even though I went active duty, I remember the guard slogan back then, one weekend a month and two weeks in the summer, no more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody that's ever been in the National Guard of the Reserves learned real quick that the, yeah, that was a great selling pitch, but there wasn't much truth to it. Uh, and I think that's the way everything is. We're so busy, so we start letting the slip the things that uh, – maybe don't have the immediate results to them. Like if I don't take my kid to baseball practice, he's not going to get to play this weekend. If I don't go to church or wherever my place of worship is, or I don't do my quiet time or my individual study, who exactly is that going to hurt? Or, well, it's going to hurt me, but nobody else is necessarily going to see it. And these other things that I've committed to, I get so busy with, uh, I think that busyness is a huge detriment to our spiritual health. That's, I'm not absolutely in no way, um, other than spiritual ways, would ever be glad about COVID-19. And uh, my heart goes out to all the people that have it and are struggling with that and our prayers are for you. But if we tried to find a, a diamond in the rough there, this definitely has caused us to slow down a little bit as a society. And, uh, just looking at my own particular live streams, whether it's a, a brigade chapel service or my own personal church service here from where I'm senior pastor at here in Northeast Oklahoma, our numbers on our live stream and everything are quadruple what they used to be. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that is because we've lost our crowd physically because we can't be there. But mm-hmm. also, I think maybe there's a little bit of spiritual renewal going on during this crisis. We sure hope so anyway. So that was kind of a long answer to that question, but the busyness, I think, would be the number one thing that is killing our spiritual health. We, we don't prioritize correctly. Okay. Uh, in that regard, are there certain types of people or personalities or demographics of our society that might be more susceptible to having poor spiritual health? Uh, our traditional answer to that uh, usually is introverts, uh, although I don't know that I necessarily believe that, but... Uh, you know, if I'm going to go s- celebrate worship, whatever my denominational religious take may be, I got to get out and go do it. Uh, I can do it at home and I can do it by myself, but it's a lot more engaging to do with others. Um, also, people that are extroverts tend to talk to their friends. Hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm depressed about. This is what I'm struggling with, where as introverts will keep a lot of that to themselves and maybe not be quite as proactive. Uh, as normal, but in the same sense, looking at a different uh, side of the same coin, um, that true introvert that really knows who they are um, might be a much spiritually healthier person than those of us who are pretty outgoing 
because we don't pay the attention to, to our self-care that we should, that maybe an introvert does. Okay. So in our current situation that we live in, our time of COVID-19, uh, people are paying a lot more attention to keeping our immune systems healthy, uh, washing our hands, using hand sanitizer, wearing masks in public to reduce our personal impact on spreading COVID-19 or even catching COVID-19. Does spiritual health work the same way? Is there such thing as spiritual health hygiene? Uh, do I need to wear a mask to keep other people's poor spiritual health from infecting me? Can it be contagious? Absolutely think it can in both directions, positive and negative. Uh, so let's deal with the negative first and then switch over to the positive. Um, my generation, I'll be 50 this year, so I'm in the middle. Um, we used to have a thing we called Debbie Downer, and that's that designated person in our unit or in our church or in our social schools. So it doesn't matter what's going on. They always look to the negative side of things and uh, it just drives you insane. Um, those are the type of people you intentionally didn't invite to your birthday party or to your Christmas dinner because you didn't want the negativity there. Our friends will either lift us up or they'll take us down. And so as we think about COVID-19 being contagious, think about um, negativity versus positivity. And this is be my transition to the positive side. Uh, one of the things we do in the chaplain world are uh, strong bonds events. And a lot of the curriculum we do there comes from prep which is based on just tons and tons of sociological studies there. And one of the things that they agree on across the board is it takes 21 positives to outweigh one negative. So say you go to work tomorrow, say all this was gone and we actually show up at our place of work tomorrow. And uh, you have 20 people say awesome things to you like, man, that's the best haircut you've ever had. I love your new glasses. You know, are you losing weight on and on and on just great positive things. And one person, even if it's in the middle of the day, the beginning of the day or the end of the day, says one negative thing to you. For whatever reason, that's part of how our human psyche works. We're going to remember the negative, even though we might have 20 to one. And I don't you know, I'm not a psychologist. I've read all their studies. Uh, you know, half time you have to look up the words and the vocabulary in those studies to know what you're talking about. But basically, there's just something that's unique on that 21st positive. It takes 21 positives to outweigh that negative. So. Okay. Let's hang out with the positive people and let's be positive ourselves, and let's be the mask and the gloves um, spiritually, not just protecting um, ourselves from the negative, but helping others to insulate themselves from it too. A great way to do that too is if you see somebody who's down and out or uh, maybe he's been beat up verbally or spiritually or whatnot, there is no law against going over and looking at somebody and giving them a word of encouragement. And you can't give them a hug and a handshake right now, but you can still give them a smile and a kind word. Uh, absolutely, I think it's, it, it goes off on us. So uh, let's choose to not accept those negative spiritual fitness things and choose to accept the positive ones. So absolutely, it can go both ways. Okay. So explain to me the difference between religion and spirituality. Uh, I know a lot of people these days don't, necessarily associate with a religion, but they may be spiritual people. Are religion or spirituality, spirituality, either one of those, are there a requirement to be spiritually healthy? I would say spirituality does, and I would definitely define a difference between religion and spirituality. Um, going back to our physical fitness technologies, which just work really well in the spiritual world. I can have a gym membership. And I can go in that gym every day. But if I don't ever pick up a weight or I don't ever get on that treadmill or get in that swimming pool or go sit in that sauna or do something, just having that gym membership does absolutely nothing for me physically. Trust me, I've been there before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we can all raise our hand and say we fall into that category too. <laughs> absolutely. So it's the same thing with religion. Religion is checking the box on paper. Yes, I am a member of my local congregation, whatever your flavor of, of religion or denomination may be there. Um, yes, I sit in the pew. Uh, yes, I go. But if I'm not participating actively in doing the things that my faith group teaches me to do to make me spiritual healthy, um, it's not doing me any good. Um, you're, you're just doing it because somebody else is watching you do it or you need it to keep your job. Um, you know, it's the right thing down deep, but you don't really care. There's lots of reasons that people are 
quote unquote religious, but uh, not necessarily spiritual. One of the ways that I can get that as a chaplain when I ask somebody um, in my faith group, being sensitive to that, hey, how's your relationship with the Lord? And their answer is, well, I go to church. Like, good for you. How's your relationship with the Lord? You know, what are you doing? Are you reading the word? Are you praying? Are you worshiping? Um, are you fellowshipping with others? Or are you just a bench sitter? Because being a bench sitter uh, doesn't make you spiritual. So, yes, I think there's a huge difference between being religious and, and spirituality. And, yes, I think you have to have that uh, spirituality to have positive uh, spiritual fitness or spiritual health. Because if you're not in tune to those things, uh, you're missing out a whole area in your life that will make you better all the way around. Okay. So let's talk about mental and spiritual health and that connection that may be there. Uh, is there a connection uh, between mental health and spiritual health? And why does spiritual health impact mental health? First answer to that question on why spiritual health impacts mental health has to do with the psyche of the human being. And both of those things are, in most cases, something we would call unseen. While, okay. you know, I go spend time in the gym, you can tell if I'm getting ripped up muscular or if I'm getting thinner, or if I'm getting stronger. Just looking physically at someone, not knowing any of their background or anything that's going on in your, their life, other than that smile and that peace that may be on their face, it's really hard to tell if someone's mentally healthy or spiritually healthy. So since we can't see those things physically, a lot of times as human beings, we lump them together. Uh, so we tie mental health with spiritual health. And uh, that's probably not completely wrong. The, the judgmental part of it is, but someone who is very spiritually healthy in most cases is going to be very mentally healthy. Uh, and in my personal opinion, as a chaplain, as a pastor, a person who is very mentally healthy is probably also going to be very spiritually healthy. Um, that connection is going to be different for every person, depending on what their faith group is and how that interchanges. You know, one of the greatest assets we have uh, in the Oklahoma Guard, besides the chaplain corps, is all of our mental health professionals. And you ask any commander who's had a serious issue with a soldier, they call the chaplain and they call the mental health professionals and we work together because some of those issues are very spiritual and we're maybe outside of the area of expertise for the mental health professional when some of the issues might be very mental health related and kind of outside the area of expertise of a chaplain. So they're tied together, but they're very, very different. And if I had to just put it on paper and say, you know, this is exactly how they're tied together in every person. I don't think I could do that. I think that's unique to the individual. Yeah, so much of, of what a person experiences in their life is individualistic. We experience life together, but on an individual basis. And I, I believe that that carries over into the, those mental and spiritual aspects of life where I do we too. have our own personal belief system that has to mesh with everybody else's own individual belief system. Because a lot of what we do and what we experience as human beings is not just what we see, but the other people that are around us and how they are experiencing their lives impacts ours so much. Absolutely. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, dive into mental health a little further. So, people that are more susceptible to uh, depression may be having a very difficult time now, except for the introverts who are loving being away from everybody <laughs> like we talked about. So are people that are more susceptible to depression or suicide, can they benefit from spiritual fitness more than people that are less susceptible to depression or suicide? I definitely think they can benefit. Um, I would question the use of the word more than, indicating that uh, some of us need spiritual health more than others. I think we're all on that same playing field there. But in the essence of the question there, absolutely. Uh, and I'll go chaplain on you back to one of my earlier answers. Uh, one of the things that, that depression just whips on people with is you're all alone. You don't matter. And that's one of the things of being very spiritually healthy reminds us is, Hey, I do matter. You know, from the Christian's perspective, that's going to cause me to go, wow, I was created in the image of God. 
So somehow, some for some way, when I look in the mirror, I, re, I resemble my creator. That in itself is going to help me with my depression, reminding me that I matter. The suicide thing there, you know, unfortunately in the National Guard, we've had a lot of those. And uh, uh, I have played a role in some of those young men and women's lives that we checked all the boxes and we did everything right. Um, there was no word to look around and say, hey, they, they went ahead and committed suicide. And here's where we messed up. If we'd have just done A instead of B or B instead of C, it wouldn't have happened. And I don't think that's fair for us to do that. But as professionals, we do sit around and go, well, what could we have done different? And I don't know that there's ever an answer to that. But uh, I know that depression left unchecked. Uh, leads people to deeper depression, to deeper depression, and then it ends up oftentimes in that horrible event that we call suicide. Uh, that's one thing that I would say the Army got right all the way back to Vietnam. Battle buddy. Sometimes we get so um, relaxed or common in our friendships that we don't check on our battle buddies like we often should. Um, and you know, take somebody who's starting to struggle with, with depression. Uh, they're not putting themselves in somebody else's frame of mind. They're in their own frame of mind. So they begin to think like, well, my squad leader hadn't checked up on me this month, or, you know, I haven't talked to my platoon sergeant or my first sergeant in a week. They must not love me anymore. They must not care about me anymore. And them totally not realizing that their squad leader or their platoon leader or their first sergeant are completely involved and engulfed in their own life with craziness and maybe even have huge crisis too, but they don't see that. So it, it takes them to that place of depression that's going farther and I don't matter and I don't care at least from that. And that's one thing I always harp. When you're just sitting around and one of your battle buddies' names pops into your head, what is so hard about taking 30 seconds out of your day and texting them or calling them just to check on them, especially today in the COVID-19 area? Yeah. It doesn't take us any time at all, and it doesn't cost us a thing. Um, but, yes, to answer that question, I do think that, that people that struggle from depression and suicide can greatly benefit from that spirituality because it gives them that worth. They have a purpose. God has a purpose for them. They're not just there by themselves, and uh, I think we need to – be a little more proactive in that area. Well, like you said, especially in these times, it can be a very useful way to cope with what we're experiencing. And uh, we live in a current time of many unknowns. Uh, will I be the next one that's furloughed? Will I have a job when this is all over with? Uh, even the essential workers, when will I get a chance to rest? When will I get a chance to to do that. And nobody really knows the answers of when all of this will go away, but everybody's had to adapt to this new reality of living life, wearing a mask, standing six feet away from everybody else. Uh, you may be also the designated grocery shopper for your family now. And when that used to be your time to enjoy your family or enjoy your spouse walking around the grocery store, now you're seeing yourself do that by yourself. So knowing how to cope with the unknown requires, you know, a really solid, good set of skills to maintain a healthy brain mindset. So how are these coping skills associated with spiritual health? You talked about that a little bit, but how can really, how, how can spiritual health show us how to, or give us ways that we can cope with what we're currently experiencing? Well, obviously, I'll, I'll go back to that same answer I keep giving on peace. Uh, it helps us realize this is going to be okay. Um, I don't need to know all the details of how it's going to be okay, but it's going to be okay. Uh, and it brings us that, that that inner peace that only comes from that, in my opinion, from our relationship with the Lord. But uh, I think also we can look back um, uh, in my – I'm, I'm going to go my personal experience here. You know, if I'm going through Scripture and I go through Corinthians and it tells me, you know, uh, nothing that's happened to me hasn't happened to someone else. It reminds me that we're all in the same boat together. And I think one of those, uh, a lot of people may not, it goes back to seeing other people in trouble that have been where we're at and we share how we help them. It's that same mentality of, of we share how we're getting it through with one another. Um, you know, and tying that back into what we we're just talking about, checking on people, um, 
I have been uh, contacted by at least 10 different people in my unit. Um, and when I answer the phone call, I see their name on my cell phone. The first thing I think is, oh, no, we've got a crisis. They need mm. me. And mm. without exception, all 10 of those folks, maybe even more than that last week, maybe it might have been closer to 15. I say, hey, yeah, this is Chapel Vample. What can I do for you? And their first word was, well, nothing. We were just checking on you. And uh, even as a nice. chaplain and as a pastor, man, that lit my day up, you know. Um, and I would share, well, you know, what are other people doing? How are we doing this? What are we doing? And just that open communication with other people of how we're, how are we going to the grocery store? How are we doing um, on the computer? Or what's for you? What's not working for you? Uh, one of the things I hear going on a lot right now. Um, both from teachers and students that have gone on to online school for the first time ever, right off the bat, you know, there was a whole lot of issues and there was a lot of frustration. And once the frustration stopped and people started communicating, you know, you heard one school district say, Hey, we're trying this and it's working pretty good. And another school district say, we're trying this. And then that third school district going, we didn't think of either one of those. Thanks for those suggestions. Our life's going to be a whole lot better now. It's just leaning on one another. So I think the spiritual health of realizing we're not alone. We're supposed to love our neighbors ourselves, like Christ said, uh, and we're supposed to put others above ourselves. And when we do that actually in things, whether it's talking about grocery shopping, like the example you used or something else, uh, and we put those into practice, I just think we make such a huge difference in people's lives because we help them understand you're not the only one going through this and you don't have to reinvent the wheel use your brothers and your sisters out there to, to help you figure out what's going on and let's rely on one another. I'm going to lean on you today because tomorrow you're probably going to lean on me and we'll be better because of it. And loving one another from a six feet distance, leaning on each other from a six feet distance. Uh, it can be very difficult to figure that out. Part of, of the restricted social interaction that we have is can be very daunting, very depressing if you look yes. at it that way. But social interaction as a whole does increase dopamine in our brains and that's what makes us happier. So since most of our interactions are six feet away, they're through a camera, kind of like we're having this conversation now, uh, what are some ways we can encourage spiritual health between each other when we're having that distance? How can we love one another from that six feet distance? I think it's found in, in the little things. Um, once again, I just have to use experiences from, from my own life. Um, and not just with my church, but with churches and not just uh, the Christian faith, but with all sorts of religions I have heard of. You know, the, the ladies that teach the kids Sunday school class have packed up treats and bags and whatnot that are sterilized, and they just leave them on the front porch of the family and, you know, knock and say, hey, there's a gift out there for you. Well, normally we wouldn't yes. do that, except for maybe Christmas or, or maybe Easter, which we just had. But now we're doing it on a regular basis. Um, I know a, a particular individual in the National Guard that uh, uh, they call me and they always ask, I said, do you know any soldiers that are struggling? And we never talk about what, you know, because it's nobody's business what somebody's struggling with. You know, because one person might be mental, another might be financial or something else. But mm. uh, they said, just give me a list of people that can be encouraged by a card. And this individual has written like 400 cards in the last two weeks to our guard soldiers of saying, hey, just want you to know somebody's thinking about you and encouraging you. If you need anything, here's a phone number to call. We normally wouldn't do that. Not because we don't care about those people, but just because that's a vehicle we wouldn't use. We'd go talk to them in person or we'd pick up the phone and call them maybe uh, and then set a time to meet them or something. So just the little different things there, uh, if you take the time to do it, uh, I'm a hands-on person with my soldiers and with my church. We had a, a soldier that was uh, having a surgery here not too long since this in the last two weeks. I don't always think in the COVID-19 mentality Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to the door of the ER, which was the quicker way. I made that path at St. Francis in Tulsa a million times. It's the quicker way to get the ER. And the right. lady stopped me at the door and she said, uh, can I help you? And I said, well, I'm chatting Van Poole, the Oklahoma National Guard. I got a soldier having surgery this morning. I just want to stop in. She said, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but you're not allowed in here. 
Each person can have one family member. You're going to have to leave. And so I stepped out in the parking lot and I cracked up and I thought, 30 years of ministry, I've never been thrown out of a hospital before, but today was the first. <laughs> so I had a choice. What am I going to do? Uh, well, I texted the soldier's wife and I said, hey, do you have service in there? Yeah. And I said, can you Skype with me for 30 seconds? You can see my face and know that his chaplain loves him. I wouldn't have done something like that beforehand. So it's in the little things, I think, um, that writing the card, the, the Skype, the kind word, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out from that six feet distance, how can we help one another? We just have to be innovative on it. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You're, we're innovative. We have to be creative in how we want to interact with people these days. And if you're not sure how to do it, there are a lot of different resources online. There's videos of people doing different challenges. Um, I, I've noticed today that people have started posting photos of their senior year in high school, I no matter that. when that was, <laughs> to encourage those seniors that aren't able to finish out their senior year of high school. That's great. That is an amazing way that everybody can participate to show solidarity in trying to get through this this virus. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. A hundred percent. So we know that mental health can positively and negatively impact our physical health. If we are feeling depressed, um, our body begins to kind of shut down in certain ways. Maybe we take on bad habits uh, because of uh, depression, whether it's drinking, smoking, maybe eating. That over time can have negative effects on your physical health. Um, there was a study that was published by the Journal of Medical Ethics and History of Medicine that found that spiritual health affects not just mental health, but your physical and social health. So we talked a little bit about how your personal spiritual health and fitness can impact those around you and improve or bring down the social health of those that are around you. And we talked a little bit about mental health. How does spiritual health affect your physical body? You could probably get a psychologist or two to argue with me a little bit on this, but from my perspective, um, really spiritually healthy people are usually physically, physically healthy people too. Um, you know, but we all go through that roller coaster of, Hey, we're really fit right now. And we're really not so fit right now. And, and we do that. But, uh, a lot of times when you see people that are, um, anger, or full of bitterness or hatred, things that we would commonly refer to as being very poor spiritual health. Um, you can see it in their physical body too. Maybe not in their physique, because maybe they're still pretty fit, you know, aerobically or muscularly. But uh, you know, they don't sleep at night and they, they struggle with headaches. Um, they're snippy and hateful to people all the time. Uh, maybe even what we might call toxic sometimes, which none of us want to be around folks like that. So the, the really poor spiritually fit people, it shows in their physical, it shows in their personality, it shows in their, in their actions and everything. And uh, that's where if we learn and teach ourselves to read that, we can step in with buddy aid and maybe it doesn't get quite that far, but absolutely. I think you can see it. Um, and you know, that, that, that anger, that bitterness, um, we talk about depression, that hopefulness, um, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know how, how old you are brother, but I'll be 50 this year. And as a kid, I was forced to watch the show called Hee Haw on reruns. Oh, yeah. And they had one episode, they had one episode where all the guys, well, it was actually, it was a scene in almost every episode where all the guys were sitting out on the porch with the dog and they were singing a song that goes gloom, despair and agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. When people exhibit that all the time they're not spiritually healthy um we see that absolutely i think uh, it's chosen our overall health and if we stay in that long enough it's harder and harder to maintain what physical fitness we do have and then it drops off and um you know not being judgmental to anybody here but just showing people where we see that at uh really three major areas when spiritual fitness gets so crummy that it shows in the physical side um, people either get grossly overweight or they get grossly too thin or they turn to alcohol or they turn to drugs or some other form of stimulant. And we all know where that, any of that leads us to a very bad place. So 
Absolutely. When spiritual fitness goes crummy, it manifests itself in our physical lives as well. That's really interesting because you, you really can see the, the impact that a poor diet can have on the physical body. You can see the impact that smoking has on Absolutely. an individual. Um, and a lot of those, it sounds like, are tied into spiritual health and fitness as well. Uh, so what are some ways that we can incorporate spiritual health into a healthy lifestyle of eating the right foods we're supposed to, having proper nutrition and, and exercise? Because uh, you always hear the way to be healthy. It doesn't matter what you are, what you're doing. If you have proper health and nutrition and you exercise every now and then, you're probably doing great. How does spiritual health fit into that? Well, I think I would tie, I would, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and go off with some actual practical things I think that we can do here. Um, and this obviously works well for me coming from the Christian standpoint, but I also realize that as a chaplain, you know, it's my responsibility to, to help the spiritual help regardless of what someone's religious background is. So these things, if you plug them into your specific faith, whatever that faith is, uh, they will work. So the first thing uh, that I would go with there uh, is reading of the word, you know, whatever your holy book is as a Christian, that's going to be the Bible. And here's where people mess that up just like they do in the gym. Uh, they start off and they say, okay, uh, I'm just going to read through the whole Bible today. Well, you know, unless you're wired like that, you know, that's going to work for about five minutes. Uh, and a lot of times people do, uh, New Year's resolutions, you know, I'm going to read through my holy book this year and I'm going to do it. Well, and I'm obviously as someone who is very passionate about the Bible, some people are going to think this is negative and I don't mean it to be that way. So hear what I'm saying. You're going to read through till you get to those parts uh, in Chronicles when it's got some name that you can't pronounce, but got some other name that you can't pronounce. And it goes on like that for chapters and you're going to get discouraged and bummed out and you're just going to quit. So what I suggest for people, whatever your faith group is in your holy book is you read it in chunks that you can handle it. So using my background, when I tell people, I say, go to one of the gospels or something like Philippians and take your highlighter, or your pen with you and read until you realize you're daydreaming Then draw a line there. Um, the average person, they tell us with a high school education that that's going to be around 30 seconds. So if you're a speed reader, you're going to be 15 to 20 verses into it. And if you're a slow reader, which I am a slow reader, you're going to be five or six verses into it. Then you do it again. Read until you realize that you've daydreamed. Maybe you've gone a little farther this time, maybe not quite as far this time. But you do that three times and you find an average of where you're at and you get your, your uh, volume there of how much you're going to read. And then you read that same passage every day, whether it's two verses or 10 verses, read that same passage every day for a month. Let's just say that that's two verses. A lot of people will say, well, it's 12 months in a year. Big deal, Chapman Vample. That just gives you 24 verses. What is that? Here's my answer. That's 24 verses that you own for your life more than what you had when you started. I think that is a spiritual discipline that makes us spiritually fit and spiritually healthy is reading our holy book. So you read it and you read it in volumes or chunks that you can handle. Uh, you know, uh, I made this joke at church one time. I said, uh, I've got a copy of Moby Dick, you know, which is like this thick, you know, that's like a 2000 page book. So right. Who thinks they can read this in uh, I was joking. I said a day or two. And there's like 15 people that raised their hand. And I'm like, Oh wow. I'm dumber than I thought I was. <laughs> But they really could because they're wired for that. You give me a copy of Moby Dick and tell me to read it, and I'm just going to be honest with you, it's going to take me a year to get through that. It just yeah. is. So as we put our spiritual fitness into practice, that first thing I think is reading uh, our holy book and doing it in chunks that we can handle. Let's set ourselves up for success, not for failure. Because if you fail at it, then you're just going to be madder and more upset, and your spiritual health is going to get worse. So uh, do it in a way that helps you. Uh, second thing um, that I'm going to call praise and worship, you know, my, my Hindu or my Buddhist friends are going to say meditation there. But, uh, you know, that doesn't matter 
whether you're sitting in church, which none of us are right now, and you're singing your favorite praise and worship song or your favorite hymn, or you're sitting outside looking at that wonderful, incredible sunrise or sunset that I believe the Lord God made, and you're just looking at his awesome creativeness. But we got to have that moment where we're still and we just listen. And the world that we live in right now, people are just going and going and going and going. That's one of the good things I think about this whole COVID-19 thing is it's causing people to slow down a little bit. We just need to slow down and worship. Whatever your faith group is and however you're going to worship, just do it from your heart. The first thing is is that reading of the word. Second thing is that praise. Third spiritual um, pillar, I would say there, um, is prayer. And prayer looks different to everybody, even looks different among Christians in how we do it and the words we use. Um, but we spend that time, um, I'm going to say, for me, talking to the Father, for somebody that's in a different religion, talking to uh, whoever they acknowledge, we just need to spend that time in prayer. So we're, we're talking about physical things we can do to make our spiritual health better. Prayer, reading the word, that worship time. And the fourth thing, which I think is critical, which we can't do right now, and that's fellowship. Get around like-minded people. Share with one another. Uh, as Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembly together of believers. To be with people that think and feel and worship and pray like we do, those are important things. So if I had to give you four pillars of the faith that will work for any faith, that's what they are. And I promise you, if you'll do them consistently, your spiritual health will improve. There's no way it can't. So uh, that would be my how do we physically make our spiritual health better. That's it. Some really great advice, uh, really great tips for anyone really of any any faith belief. Um, for those that maybe don't have a belief system for themselves, uh, are there any tips that you would you would recommend? Well, absolutely. Um, if they absolutely have, uh, if we would call, and I've got some very good friends in the guard that would call themselves traditional atheists where they don't have a belief in a higher power at all, but can still be spiritually fit and realizing that the universe wasn't created for them, that they're part of a bigger picture there, uh, even though they may not acknowledge that bigger picture in the same way that I do. Sure. Um, that humbling of ourselves, that grounding of ourselves, that desiring to see we're better together than we are by ourselves, little things like that. Um, sometimes uh, just talking to someone, you know, that's one of the things that chaplains do far more than anything else right now. Uh, we'd, we traditionally would ask a chaplain, hey, what, what do you spend most of your time doing? A lot of people would assume they would say, well, you know, religious support, preparing for services, which are good, correct, right answers, but I can promise you all the chaplains in the Oklahoma National Guard right now spend 10 to 1 time counseling that they do to that other because people need others right now. And you can call me with any problem you have in the whole world. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm not an expert on any of it. And I'm probably not even going to give you a whole lot of advice on what you can do to get better. But just sharing what's going on in your life with someone else, knowing that there is another human being on this planet that knows what I'm going through and they care about me makes a difference. So to that person that doesn't see any value or any have any belief in the, the, the spiritual, the religious side, as I would define it, can still be spiritually healthy by engaging with others. And if you're looking for some resources to do that, first and foremost, every single chaplain in the Oklahoma National Guard and in the Air National Guard, we're they're not a one of us are going to say, well, you know, I'm too busy to talk to you. Call me back a year from next Friday. That's not going to happen. We might say, uh, hey, can I call you back in 15 minutes or I call you back this evening? But we're going to engage with you. That's what we're there for. So I beg you, use your battalion chaplains, use your brigade chaplains, use our full-time support chaplains up at JFHQ. We're there for soldiers. We care about them. We love them. And that is our purpose. Uh, also, you know, local clergy. And if that's not something someone feels that they could go to, there's a fantastic resource out there, Military One Source. You know, it's completely confidential. If you just need somebody to talk to, pick up the phone and call them. They're there for you. Uh, I would engage with others, even if I didn't have any value in religion or spiritual fitness, um, not trying to get through this by myself because that's not healthy. No, it's really not. And I feel like 
the longer this goes, the more we realize how much we really need each other. Well said. Not just somebody to, to, to talk to, but just that energy connection that people have between each other. I think this distancing has made us realize how important and valuable that connection is that we have between each other. So uh, we talked about this a little bit already, but what positives do you see coming out of this whole situation that we're currently in? Well, I, I can give you a couple of funny ones. Um, I had a, a dear friend of mine, one of my church members, uh, a widow lady way up in her 80s who's not physically able to get out of the house and hasn't been for maybe a year or two because of, uh, you know, just arthritis and not being able to walk and some other health issues there. And she called me on the first Sunday uh, that we live streamed. And she said, Brother Van Poole, I just want to thank the Lord for COVID-19, which I thought was the most horrible statement I'd ever heard. <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I have a great relationship with this lady, so she can be short with me and it doesn't hurt my feelings. And she says, she said, well, it made you get your, your butt in gear. And we're actually live streaming now, which will always be there, which means if one good thing comes out of this, I can always go to my church in my living room on a Sunday morning from here on out and watch live stream. And I hate to admit it, she was right. We, we knew that we needed to do that, but we hadn't. Same thing on the guard side. We're talking about how we're going to do virtual drill. Um, you know, chaplains are sometimes here and there, and we can't get around everywhere we need to be because we're so shorthanded. That I'm aware of, like 90% of the Oklahoma Army and Air National Guards are doing live stream chapel services for our soldiers. And here's the great thing about that. Um, you know, sometimes we have a chapel service maybe – Saturday at 1300 or Sunday morning at 08, but guys that are gals that are in critical MOSs that can't get out of their training environments, mm -hmm. never get to come to chapel service. Well, now we've put those on our brigade or our battalion Facebook pages or, or YouTube channels. And anytime during drill weekend, our soldiers can go, hey, I wonder what the chaplain had a good word about today. And then go back in there and click on it. Now I'm going to be honest with you. That didn't take a rocket science to figure that out, and that's something we probably should have been doing for years now, and a couple of them were. But old guys like me that don't live in the tech world, we're kind of scared of that, so we didn't even think about it. But now that it's already set up, and just a big thank you for all those guys and gals that have those tech skills that have set that stuff up uh, to make us chaplains look good. <laughs> I certainly appreciate that. But forever now, every member of the Oklahoma National Guard will always be able to go see what their chapel service was. All they got to do is go look at it on, on the internet there. That's a great thing for it. Like 100%. I said earlier, you know, I've got, I've probably gotten 10 or 15 calls. That's fantastic. Um, that interaction that probably wouldn't have occurred, not because of anybody's fault, but just knowing, Hey, so-and-so cared enough to call me. Even if somebody made them, they made the call and there's probably going to be some relationship improvement out of some of those things. So uh, it's not hard to look for the, the positives there. Uh, they're not really hiding. Uh, they're out in the open. You know, I hear um, uh, a couple of our guard guys in, in Tulsa are trying to set up a thing where all the elderly in their church can email them, or not in their church, in their community, can email them their grocery list, and these two guard guys are going to do their grocery shopping for them and deliver it to their house. Oh, wow. I mean, that's great stuff. And that's probably the way community ought to be anyway, isn't it? Taking care of one another that have needs. So I think there's good things coming out of this. Absolutely. hundred percent. And yeah, you're exactly right. This, this idea of community is actually manifesting itself and it's no longer an idea and things that people are preaching. It's actually, you can see it happening. Like you were talking about these two soldiers and the technology that we surround ourselves with today are allowing us to have that that sense of community. And we'll make sure that we post the links to those chapel services in our show notes so that people can start having access, a broader broader Absolutely. audience can we'll have sure access to those, those chapel services. That'd be great. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add, sir? Well, I just want to thank you uh, for the opportunity to talk a little bit about spiritual health and just remind everybody if you're struggling, uh, pick up the phone, get a hold of one of us. And uh, if you say, well, I don't know who my specific chaplain is, 
call your one shop. They'll know who they are and they'll funnel you right to them. So uh, no excuse not to have that conversation if you're struggling. We're there and we're there for every soldier that's out there and their family members. That's great. And we'll put all that information, uh, all of the, the resources that you had listed, we'll put those in our show notes as well. So if people are looking for ways that they can reach out or not sure where to go, they can definitely find those in our show notes. Chaplain Van Poole, thank you so much for being with us today. This has been a lot of fun. And thank you for sharing your uh, COVID-19 spiritual fitness techniques with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. God's blessings, my friend. The OK Guard Show is produced by the Oklahoma National Guard Public Affairs Office. Any mention of products or brands does not imply endorsement. All guests on the show are volunteers in an effort to inform and educate members of the Oklahoma National Guard, their families, retirees, potential recruits, and the